the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. I am your host, the Bowtie Guy, and we are here today. It is May 17th. It's show 215, and uh, we are ready to have a good time with one more show with you. Uh, if you want to get involved with the show, uh, you can do it in a lot of ways. If you want to email me, you can hit me at bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com, or you can send me a phone call or a text at 760-608-1942, and uh, I will get back to you as soon as I can. It's very rare that I don't answer the phone, but listen, if you're calling me from uh, Amsterdam and uh, I'm in the middle of being asleep, I'm probably going to either uh, answer you in the morning or just pick it up and be very, very groggy for a couple minutes. So, uh, but just know if you call or text, I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can, because I want to hear from you. So make sure you use that phone number, make sure you use that email. We are 100% listener supported. What that means is all of our funding for everything we do with Messed Up Ministries comes from listeners and donors, just like yourself. And for as little as $1 a month, you can join our Patreon family by going to messituppodcast.com. Click on the become a patron button. And that takes you to our giving platform because we're a nonprofit. Everything you give is uh, tax deductible on Patreon. They take a little fee. So about 92% of Patreon giving is tax deductible. But if you want to get hundred percent tax deductible, we have a text to give mums the word. So text mum, M-U-M to the number 760-WALLS-CA. And that will take you to our text to give site, which is hundred percent tax deductible. You will be helping sending missionaries into prisons doing recovery work with uh, prisoners, inmates, their families, and working with uh, re-entry programs. So real good work. And also just, you know, helping to send people there uh, by paying for some gas. So um, we really, really appreciate all of you who give and um, don't think that you're not valuable to us. If you become a new member of our giving community, that gives you access to our uh, uh, Discord chat server. So you can talk to other givers. You're also become part of our book reading club and uh, you get a free copy of uh, your book of your choice uh, of my books that I put out. So um, there's all sorts of fun things that you can do by becoming a Patreon or a text to give member. So um, thanks to all of you who do that. And I think that's about uh, all I need to go with that. So on with the show, we have got, uh, oh no, I forgot. Oh my goodness. It's terrible. Show 215 and I forget how to do my own show. I forgot the word of the week. Our word of the week this week is a fun one. It's one that I like to use a lot. And it's one that my dad used all the time. It's commensurate. <clears throat> and what commensurate means is um, something related to uh, size or degree or proportion with something. So, you know, like your salary might be commensurate with your experience or your performance um, might be commensurate with your uh, effort. Uh, so anyhow, if you can use commensurate in your words uh, or in your sentences this week, give yourself 10 bonus points every time you use it, every single time, give yourself those 10 bonus points and uh, the world will be a better place because you have better vocabulary, right? Right. All right. So um, enough of my blathering. We've got a very fun guest today. Um, I have today, Tammy from uh, California. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, Tammy, uh, you have a really cool ministry that I found out about and I, I got hit up by uh, Tammy uh, because she found us on um, 
our uh, our internet platforms, and uh, I have so many of them. I've got to ask Tammy which one she found us on. But Tammy, how did you get a hold of of Messed Up Ministries? What uh, what led you to to get a hold of me? I was um, searching for a celebrate recovery group for a really close friend of mine who was moving to Ridgecrest. Um, and a couple of them popped up on um, Google, but what struck me was also um, a map that pointed to messed up ministries. And I, that just the name itself caught my attention. And so we're, um, we're on the map. It was on the map. Yes. Really? That is Celebrate so awesome. recovery, Ridgecrest, boom. It came up with a couple churches and messed up ministries. And it gave me no information about it other than um, you were linked with Celebrate Recovery and with Prison Fellowship. That is fantastic. Um, i to check that out. Someone must have done that for me. Whoever you were, if you're out there, thank you for- uh, There you go. That's yeah. outstanding. Uh, so Tammy, your ministry is a really, really cool ministry. And it really, as soon as I heard about what you're doing, it really touched my heart because uh, it's it's something that our family um, deals with as well. So tell us about your ministry that you do. You know, it's it, using the word ministry is probably um, kind of big, but it's really it's just me and my husband helps out. Um, we we've always had a passion for hope helping homeless in various capacities. Um, we, we, we made our living as um, residential framing contractors. And um, you know, so we built homes all over California for many years. And um, one day I was sitting in my office and I got a letter um, in the mail, just a, an introduction from a place called Mission Solano that said they were coming to Fairfield. That's where we used to live. And um, they were going to be starting up a ministry there. They're a part of the Union Gospel Ministries. And I, I took that letter and I ran into my husband's office and I said, this is what we need to do. We build houses. Everybody needs a place to live. And, and I don't even know really where that came from. It just, it just struck me that day. Um, and so from there, it started with us. Um, Mission Solano got a bus and people were sleeping on the bus and we brought food out. Um, and then pretty soon they became the, what they believed to be the first nomadic shelter um, created, which is a bus that picks up people and takes them to a different church every night and, and has temporary sheltering. Um, my husband and I at various times served on the board there. My mom and I used to cook food and bring it down for the evening. Um, is that a local organization or is that a local branch of a bigger organization? The bigger organization is the Union Gospel Missions. Okay. Um, and this was specifically one um, that was in the, the, Nap or the Fairfield, Solano County area. That is so, um, so we So we spent like 20 years um, somehow associated with them, but never like boots on the ground. It was... Um, you know, I was on the board or, you know, we did, we donated or we served a little bit here or there, but um, we just, I was never in a position to, to meet people, you know, and unfortunately, because, you know, we, we operated a business, um, we were pretty successful people. Everybody always said, that's not for you. 
that, that's that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to write a check. You're supposed to serve on a board. You're supposed to, you're not supposed to get your hands dirty. Um, and that's, I, I just wanted to meet people. I wanted to change lives. And I was told that that was not my, you know, my, where I was supposed to be. Um, so anyways, you know, fast forward a little bit, the economy changed, you know, in 2008, my husband was an amazing forecaster and, um, and he knew what was coming and our business partner. And we decided to shut down our company and, and in a very organized way. And so in, by 2010, we retired. Um, and so now we, we live a, a pretty good life, but um, I'm, I'm fairly young still. And now I have the opportunity to help where, where I can. So I've, I've done all kinds of things. Um, the Lord has directed us in so many really cool areas. Um, we've learned about trafficking and um, foster kids. Um, I, I was a CFO, so I've done all kinds of work um, helping people create accounting systems and set up nonprofits, but I still wasn't with people. I was locked in my office all the time. And I would hear these incredible stories of lives being changed. And I knew I was doing my part, but I was just sitting at a desk still. And so, were, are yeah. you uh, born a Christian? Did you get uh, saved uh, as a child, as an adult, or how did your, your walk begin? You know, I'm one of those kids that, that my mom started taking me to church from day one. Um, my dad didn't generally go but you know, it was a traditional type of church. And when I became a teenager um, or probably the first few years of, of marriage, I started to realize that I didn't know Jesus. Mm. Um, I had always gone to church. I was actually serving as treasurer on my church board. Um, you know, what actually happened was my, we, we put our daughter in um, Christian, a Christian school in preschool, uh, because it was the, you know, the good school to go to, not because it was Christian. And again, my kind of my, my thing is I became the, the treasurer of the, essentially the, the PTA there. And, um, we had a fundraiser one day and I accidentally lost all the cash and checks for the fundraiser. <laughs> Um, and when I went back to the school and had to tell them, the women prayed for me. Nobody got mad. The principal oh came and prayed for me. And that witness. changed my life. Wow. Um, I realized that I wanted to be those women. Yeah. And I went on a journey um, to find that. Um, it, it took a lot of years. Um, I've, so I've always known who I've always known Jesus. I always felt like I was a Christian, but it really it's it's been a journey to become that person that they modeled to me. That's so and that totally goes back to the the idea of, you know, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words that those ladies were just preaching the gospel. They weren't preaching at you. They were just living at you and showing you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So. So the present day thing, um, we, we gathered up our small group 
couple of years ago, pre-COVID, and we said, let's all go out and let's serve somewhere. Um, and so they said, yep, you figure out a place and, and we'll come along. And um, so we found our local food bank. We signed up to, to um, you know, hand out food on a Saturday. And my husband and I were just taken with the place. We and said, we'd like to do whatever you need, you know, to, to help out. We worked in the warehouse for a while and then COVID hit and nobody would work curbside actually handing out food. Mm. And they said, would you do it? And we said, sure. Well, what ended up happening is all of our local homeless would come to the food bank daily to get day packs. And I just started meeting them and, and, and having conversation and inviting them in. Um, and then in particular, there were, there's two people about a year ago, one gentleman and one young lady that the Lord just, they know who they are. The Lord said, they're yours. Mm. And, um, and I think of them as my, as my children. Um, and um, he, I just started building relationships with them. And that led to me eventually leaving, working at the uh, food bank and just starting to invest in people. And, and really what it is, is it's just me checking in on them, inviting them to lunch, telling them about Jesus, um, being the hands and feet where I can, but, you know, trying to learn not to enable. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. Because everybody tells me, everybody that hears my story says, you can't do that. You can't do <laughs> what you're doing. It's not safe. It's not okay. It's not, you, you can't do that. Right. Well, and um, people, I think, you know, have this, it, it, the thing I try to do when I run into homeless people, even if it's just sitting at a stoplight and it's somebody with a cardboard sign, I always try to make eye contact and make whatever conversation I can. It's so easy to want to just avert your eyes and look away and pretend like it's not happening so you don't have to mess with that riffraff or whatever. And, you know, knowing that they're people makes it so much easier just to, I mean, I can have a conversation with a person and that doesn't mean, I, I had coffee with my friend today at Starbucks. We, we sat and had coffee for about two hours. I did not buy him his coffee. I didn't give him any food. I didn't give him any money, but we had a conversation. And just because a person doesn't have a home doesn't mean I can't have a conversation with them and then wind up having to like give them all my money and have them take advantage of me. They're, they're just people and people want to have communication. And that's just, just even looking a person in the eye and letting them know, hey, I see you, you're a person, you're real can make a huge difference in, in that right. person's day or life. Right. That That's what I started learning. Um, I'm not out um, trying to strike up conversations with every homeless person I see. Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, um, there's a group. I, I know almost every person by name that lives in my town. Um, but even out of all of those, it's, it's dwindled down to about five people right now that the Lord has, has given me mm -hmm. and, and they call me every now and then. And again, people go, you can't do that. They can't mm -hmm. have your number. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that somehow they're gonna, they're gonna meet Jesus 
I keep telling them about Jesus. I keep trying to show them Jesus through me. My prayer every single day is, is Lord, just speak for me and, and show me what to do. And please check my heart every day and make sure that I'm not doing this, you know, for my own ego or, um, you know, for whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. and he reminds me every day because it's really hard. Yeah. It is. there's not a lot of success stories um and and it's it's really hard yeah and he reminds me you're not doing this for yourself because it's hard (laughs) well and and i think the thing that we need to realize too is like same as working in prisons there's a reason that people get there and and um i think a lot of our homeless population is what i call walking wounded and they don't have proper access or don't make proper use of the mental care that's available to them. Um, I know my own son is, um, you know, most of the time lives homeless by choice and he does not, uh, he doesn't take his meds. He doesn't follow through on doctor's advice and um, it puts him in a place where he is then just keeps on slipping a little further, a little further, a little further. The next thing you know, now he's not able to house, you know, couch crash somewhere and he's back in a tent or in a car for the next, you know, five to 20 months. And it's just, you know, it's a cycle. Uh, Did you have family members or experience with uh, homeless people or it's just God called you and you answered? No, I, you know, I, I don't have a history in my family of, of drug abuse or homelessness um, or really any of that. I think the only thing that comes to my mind every now and then is I had an uncle who was definitely an, an alcoholic and, and probably was homeless, but it was hidden from me as a kid, you know, and he would, he would call and tell me how much he loved me and, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. And, and when I would go visit my grandmother, my dad, you know, this is when I was a little girl, my dad would say, you're not allowed to go see uncle Gene. And my grandma would always take me to go see uncle Gene, you know, so um, so I think of him a lot. Um, but, um, no, I, I don't really know where this, where this comes from. It, it just, I love them, you know, yeah. I, they're my, they're my friends. Um, I mean, and I say that with, you know, knowing that, yeah, they don't call me back. They, they, <laughs> right. I'm not their friend, you know, but I love them like they're my friends. Yeah. Um, and, and and it, I, it's making a difference in planting a seed. And, and sometimes it takes a while for that seed to, uh, to start growing. Yes. And sometimes the seeds just don't grow. But uh, the one thing I know, I, I can't guarantee that a, a plant will grow out of a seed that I plant, but I can guarantee a plant won't grow if I don't plant a seed. And very well said. So I just have to, you know, make that effort to take the opportunity. And, and I think, yes. you know, I, we have our song of the week. I did something I've never done before. I pulled an audible on myself. You know, I've got my song of the week uh, and and this is, you know, inside information for all you people. I've got the song of the week is planned out through uh, July 5th, but I I threw myself an audible and I thought, you know, with what we're doing here with Homeless, we're going to go old school today. So our song of the week uh, is a a golden oldie from Audio Adrenaline. It's the song Big House. So we're going to listen to the song, give you about 90 seconds of it. We'll be back on the other side to talk about that. And to talk about the message from this mess that um, that Tammy has found and uh, where the ministry might be going. So here's 90 seconds of audio journal. We'll be back on the other side. I'm going 
Audio adrenaline blast from the past. It's always so much fun to hear some of those oldies, but goodies. Uh, Tammy, what stood out on that song to you? I love when it says, come and go with me to my father's house. Um, that's, that's the one thing that I try to offer my, my friends is I don't have a house for them. I can't promise that I can get them off the streets. I don't have an, an answer to their addictions but I know that the Lord has a house for them. And I just keep telling them, I better see you in heaven with me someday. <laughs> That's such a good thing to see. You know, this song always, it, you know, when it was out, it was a big one and the youth group was always singing it. And, um, uh, you know, it, it brought down the roof when you'd see him live. But I was recently having a conversation with Mark Stewart from Audio Adrenaline and told him the story about my friend Emily. Um, we had kids uh, in our youth group and Emily was a senior in high school, played softball and, and loved this song. She was playing uh, college softball as a freshman. She was down at Point Loma University in San Diego coming home for a doctor's appointment. So it's about a, a three and a half, four hour drive. And she came home early in the morning and the last turn before she turned into town, fell asleep, lost control and was killed instantly. And so the youth group uh, changed the words to this song where it says, you know, where we can play football to where we can play softball in honor of uh, Emily. And Mark loved that story. And, you know, every time I hear the song, I just it makes me think of Emily. And that was, gosh, 20, not 25, almost 23 years ago, I guess. So it mm -hmm. uh, still lives in, uh, in our hearts that way. Um, and as soon as I heard you talking about, you know, doing this ministry, I was like, yeah, that has to be the song that we do. And it is, it's, it's what I hope for that. Like, you know, uh, you know, God has the house, you've got the invitation. I don't know if you're going to show up or not, but you know, let's hope that either you do show up or that you crash the party. Um, you know, uh, the more people, the merrier it's there. There's plenty of room, uh, at that party. So, uh, anyhow, um, yeah, that's a good one. I recommend if you're not familiar with audio adrenaline, you know, join us old people and go back and listen to some good old, uh, <laughs> Fashion 90s Christian rock because uh, audio adrenaline was was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Tammy, 
you've talked about, you know, doing this and, and, and dealing with people. Do you have any stories that like, like uh, when I, when I think about doing prison ministry, I think about Ernie um, and, and the thought of Ernie and the change that I saw in him makes me want to get in that car and drive an hour out to the prison uh, for free four times a week, because it just, it keeps me going. Do you have any, any stories that make it so it's like, I don't feel like going down and talking to someone today, but I'm going to anyway. Do you have anything like that, that, you know, the successes or just um, divine appointments that you've had through doing this ministry? I'm still waiting for some really great stories. I mean, there have been, there've been small wins, but you know, um, homelessness and addiction got to appreciate the small wins. Um, but about Absolutely. a year, yeah, about a year ago, um, I was sitting at my table at the, at the food distribution and this beautiful young woman shows up and this, and, and I don't know what it was. The second I met her, the second she rolled into town, I just knew the Lord had given her to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and really before that, I, I, I knew the homeless, they were coming by, but I didn't. I didn't have a passion for them. And there was just something about, um, about Kay that um, would not let go of me. And every time she came by, I, I chatted with her. We'd go hide in the ladies room so other people wouldn't hear. Um, and you know, there even came a day, it was the day after Christmas, we had built up such relationship. She called me after dark, pouring rain the day after Christmas. Um, her boyfriend had abandoned her. She didn't know where she was. My husband and I, we got in the car, we drove, we found her and we brought her home, you know? And that's the thing that people go, you can't do that woman. You know, you cannot let them. Um, but I just, I just know she's mine. And, um, she stayed with us for three weeks. She, she met my family she loved all my grandkids. We, we love her to death. Um, we handed her off to a beautiful rehab facility. Um, and two weeks later she busted loose and, and, (laughs) and is not doing so well right now, you know, but I, I still see her. I still check in on her every couple of weeks. I am praying for her. I know her mom now. I visit with her mom. I talk to her mom at least once a week. You know, it, before that, she she wasn't talking to her mom. So that's my win, right? That the two Absolutely. of them. Absolutely. And the, two the thing, them. you know, people will say that though. And, and I hear that. And, and one of the big buzzwords with prison ministry is over familiarity. And they said, well, you know, we don't want you to get overly familiar with the inmates because they'll take advantage of you and make you do it. It's like, look, if, if I was in this situation, I'm looking out at all these people, which one of them do I not want to help me? I want them all to help me. I, I just, yeah. I need a little. And, and when I came out of incarceration, if there wasn't a stranger who offered me a job because, uh, you know, and I, I got my first job out of, out of incarceration because no one would hire me. This guy gave me a job doing construction, even though I had zero experience, but I helped lead his nephew to the Lord while we were inside. And he heard my story. He's like, I'm going to give you a job. He knew nothing about me. If right. I wouldn't have done that, I, I wouldn't have had hope and, and yeah. we need to give those people that hope. And, 
And yeah, somebody might take advantage and you might've brought this lady in and she may have walked out with, you know, grandma's silverware. And I always just say, maybe, maybe they needed it more than I do. And, and people always tell me, you know, you're going to get taken advantage of. And I say, I hope so. I hope that they take advantage of what I've got to offer, because if I can offer it, then they can have it. And, and there's a, a balancing line though. And I was going to ask you how you, how you, keep uh, proper balance of, of passion, which can turn into compassion, but which can turn into pity. How do you balance compassion versus pity to make sure that you're working in the proper direction? Do you have any methods for that or is it uh, just trusting in God? You know, I literally pray about it every single day. Um, you know, and, and honestly, I was sitting having lunch with Kay again about a week ago. And, um, you know, we were having this conversation that everybody is addicted to something. And she said, yep, you're addicted to bums. That's what she calls them. It's a term of endearment. She said, you're addicted to bums. And I went, you're probably right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so I do have to keep checking myself on that one. You know, what, what am I doing and why am I doing it? And, um, and, and make sure, yeah, that there is that proper, proper balance, that proper boundary, you know? Um, but it's hard. It's really hard because they are people that you truly care about, you know, it's not about, there's nothing they can give me in return. I'm not looking for anything back from them. Um, and I don't, I don't think I'm looking to boost my ego because I certainly, you know, all honesty, most of my friends, they don't want to hear about what I'm doing, you know? So it's not like, Hey, look at me. I'm, you know, the right. crazy, you know, I say I'm the crazy woman out talking to, to homeless, but um, well, I get a whole lot of good for you, but no, I don't want to help. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so. it, well, it's, it's important, like you said before, you know, I, I, I can't stop them Mm-mm. being homeless. I can't make them not be addicted, but we can give them tools or show them a way. And, you know, with our own son, you know, bringing him in and, and, and he's come back and live with us a few times and we can't let him stay forever. Um, and right. that's, it, it gets really difficult with family to not be that codependent enabler and to have to cut the cord and say, well, you have to, and knowing that, well, maybe that means he's going to be back out doing whatever he's going to do, that can be difficult. And, and as a, a parent of a homeless person, you know, not knowing when you get a phone call, especially now that we've got oh. caller ID, you get a phone call from a strange place thinking, okay, is this going to be a coroner? Is this going to be a police officer? You know, what is this going to be? That's, that's something that, that we have to deal with as parents. But I know that my experience shows me and the data shows me that I probably won't be the person to help my son out of his homeless situation. It's probably going to be someone else because the closer people are, the less likely they are to hear the advice in the same way. You know, whatever <laughs> advice I give, it's dad talking. Whatever advice my wife gives, it's mom talking. And she's been, you know, chirping in his ear for 40 years. So he's, he can tune that out. But then a stranger walks up and like, hey, Maybe you should think about stopping smoking. He's like, wow, what a, I never thought about that, you know? And, and to be able to go out there like you're doing with strangers, you're that person's voice where they can't hear their parents, they can't hear their family, but they can hear Tammy. Right. You know, my, my best friend, 
um, she, she's raising her 13 year old grandson. Her daughter has lived a life of homelessness all of her adult years and addiction. And she unfortunately, about last August, September, um, got that phone call. You know, that one that you were just talking about, the sheriffs, actually the sheriffs showed up at her door. We were having lunch and her husband called and said, you gotta get home now. And she got, she got that call. And um, so it's really hard to talk to her about what it is that I, that I do, because it's so personal for her but yet she is also the one that says, I wish somebody had been there for my yes. daughter yes. because we knew it wasn't going to come from us, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, you know, it's just whoever, whoever God places out there for me to, to try to talk to that's, that's the best I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, God bless you for doing it. And, and folks, listen, I, it's, it's difficult no matter where you live. It's difficult not to see someone homeless um, at some point. Now, you know, where I live, we have a fairly affluent community with a lot of engineers and scientists on a Navy base doing high tech work. So there's, there's plenty of money and we've got homeless people in our, our neck of the woods. It's not like if you go to downtown, you know, urban areas where you see homeless villages or, you know, Portland where there are, you know, encampments on the freeways. But there's always going to be someone who needs something. And you might say, well, I can't do anything. You can smile. It is mm -hmm. very, very cost effective to smile at a person. It costs us virtually nothing. Uh, it makes you feel a little bit better because smiling is better than frowning. Um, so you're going to get a little something out of it. And you just, you don't know. Maybe that person's walking to go, you know, buy a, a, a bottle or a bag and you smile at them and I think, well, you know, maybe I'll just, you know, live on that smile for a while instead. We just don't know what kind of an impact we're having. Um, and, you know, say hello. If you're at the, the stop sign and someone comes by with a thing, you don't have to give them money. And, and honestly, I don't give anybody money for homeless. I, I point them to the direction of a shelter or of a facility that can do it because that money most likely is not going to be spent the way you want it to be spent. I have bought a lot of people meals, uh, but, but I don't I don't give them money. So don't feel bad that you're not giving them money, but give them a smile, give them some love, remind them that they're human and remind them that other people are human too. Um, and um, if, if, it, if it goes poorly for you smiling at a homeless person, I invite you to call me 760-638-1942. Call me and talk as long as you need. You can yell and scream at me for being a bozo. I don't anticipate that call happening, but if you need to try it, but but go ahead and smile at a person. Don't forget, you can email me at bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. If you've got stories like Tammy's, we'd love to hear it. The only reason you're hearing Tammy's story is because she reached out. Um, so reach out and let us know. We don't know your story until you tell it. And your story is going to make a difference for somebody. Like Tammy's story made a difference uh, hearing it for me. Um, so thank you for that. Don't forget to get involved with our Patreon, uh, messituppodcast.com. Uh, and uh, go to the Become a Patron button. And that'll take you to our giving platforms. Tammy, thank you so much for what you do. Um, and, you know, continue to do that with, uh, uh, with God's blessing, because that is, uh, it's super important work. And I don't see the problem going away anytime soon. And I do see it getting larger. So um, thanks so much. We really appreciate you taking the time. It to is out there. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's all we've thank got. Thank you for letting me talk about it. Oh, our pleasure completely. And guys, we'll see you next time we mess it up.
Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. <laughs>